back to Travel Minded, the podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by British record holder and retired swimmer, Edward Baxter. On the episode, we discuss how swimming has taken him to so many different places across the globe and how he's now turned his love of swimming into a coaching career. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So you quite recently actually retired from swimming. You've since gone on to set up your own personal coaching company. Started my own coaching brand on my own and then kind of went into kind of starting a brand with Adam PT. So then as we've kind of moved forward through things, we've kind of just looked at every area of swimming and then been like, well, we can make that a little bit better. We can do that better. So then my, I guess my job now, so myself and Adam co-own that brand, I still do my own coaching business. I've also work um, alongside my old coach, which is Adam's coach. So I, I support coach her, which is where I was doing. So they're on a training camp in Florida. So I was kind of support coaching her. Do you find the lockdown and pandemic had an impact on uh, well, I, I stopped swimming at the start of the pandemic. So yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know how much you know about sport or, or swimming specifically, but swimming's like you're in the pool for 20 hours a week. You've then got five hours in the gym. Then you've got all the other bit. It's like adds up to like 35, 40 hours a week of yeah. training. So it's like a full time job. So it's not like a, you know, like runners train like three, four times a week. And it's like, oh, no, yeah, I'm, do, I'm working all day, but I'm going training later. It's like it is a full time job. So when you stop that, it's always like a massive transition. So I was transitioning out of sport and then also lockdown hit. So it was almost like that big life change was almost masked by the lockdown, yeah. if that makes sense. So it was actually okay. And I was really fortunate. Most people stopped swimming and are like, oh my God, what is this life that's outside of the swimming pool? Uh, but because yeah. I'd started, you know, I'd started work, I'd started, like I said, my business beforehand. I was, I was way more excited about that than I was worried about stopping swimming so I was very fortunate to kind of just step straight into something I'd already started and I'd stopped because I didn't have as much time as I wanted to to put into that I'm yeah. very all or nothing so um it was actually okay that's um, quite nice timing isn't it to be able to yeah. especially put time into like a project and even if you could were you able to deliver any kind of one-to-one sessions at all was it uh, maybe no. more tailored no no so it so it just kind of provided us with a great opportunity to like work on the stuff I did with Adam so we'd prior to lockdown we'd just run some swimming days like clinics mm-hmm. um but then we kind of we'd always known there was more to it but we just didn't have the opportunity to do it so as soon as lockdown hit we built i didn't <laughs> the guys that we work with who code and, and build websites built a, a whole online like learning portal which we then upload content to and that's like unbelievable that's got so that can drop like content based on timelines specific yeah. profiles and stuff like so like it's got the capabilities of like netflix but almost a little bit more in depth if that makes sense as in it's periodized content so um it was it was cool to just kind of although I couldn't do that it was like well I can do something completely different which is which is quite exciting as well but yeah yeah definitely so how do the clients find you will you kind of advertise on different mainly word of mouth but the the problem is that I so my my business which is like private coaching essentially um I, I couldn't work enough to get everyone seen yeah. so like however much pool time we get we could always do more so I don't actually advertise because like I just have more people that and I don't want to sound don't want to sound arrogant no still, it's but, like, good yeah yeah like I advertise advertise would come with more problems than actually would would solve issues if that makes sense so definitely yeah, word of mouth so of. what age were you swimming from <laughs> zero until <laughs> um 
20 just just nearly 21 so very early um yeah I'm deciding whether it was a retirement or it was a quit um, yeah but early leaving leaving sport um that but yeah so I, I swam all my life I kind of I joined a club when I was like six or seven I think got serious around like 13 and broke my first British record I think when I was 16 and then was really um did really well from 16 17 18 but in swimming it's not a there's no there's nothing after juniors so I know I think mm-hmm. athletics is under 18s, under 21s, under 23s, and then you're a senior. Whereas swimming's like under 18s, okay, go play with the people who are 27. It's like, oh, yeah. Shit. Like, and that's like a massive step. And the event I did was um, really competitive in the country. Like you get two spaces on a senior team. And I would have, and it was five guys who'd either been to Olympics, world championships, and won medals or British record. Like before I had even a chance at 18 years mm-hmm. old, like four of those guys had to miss out. So just found that transition like really hard. And then, like I said, I'd started my my businesses and then it was a very natural just just path out of it. Yeah, definitely. So like you said earlier, there were so many hours going into the swimming. So how did you cope with that? And like, were you going along to school as well at the same time? Or was that kind of more kind of put on the back burner to kind of focus on this career? And how did you find like that's Like there's so many different things as you're growing up as well, with the social side. So how did you find all of that in one go I found school really difficult and I was uh, stopped going to school I think year three or year two at the end of year two and going into year three so uh, I stopped doing doing school and at that point I wasn't that serious about swimming I wasn't mm-hmm. really like properly invested in it because um, like I said how old are you year three probably eight or nine maybe so I hadn't really bought in and then when I got to 13 just something just just switched and I was like fully dedicated I was like this is everything yeah. and just didn't care at all about school I sat I, th- I sat English and math GCSEs studied the other subjects but there was no interest at all like I just that type of learning doesn't work for me like reading books and it yeah. just doesn't go in it's not like, for I'm everyone very, is it yeah I'm a really visual learner and I prefer to try things and it fail and then work out I'm, I'm more of a doing doing learner I think so it just just didn't work for me at all but um yeah so I was very fortunate that I could just kind of say I'm, I don't really care about school and I've obviously like I said I did study but it was the only thing I wanted to do was swim so and learn about swimming and, and work work around things that were based around swimming so I was quite fortunate definitely and you've gone on to then have a business from it and the rest is history yeah. so much, you yeah. have it in your life it's fine <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah so obviously you've just come back from Florida but yes. do you travel quite a lot how do you find traveling uh pre-pandemic and and as a swimmer yes um like we we used to do training camps all over the world and used to do competitions all over the world as well so I think when I was 17 I think I was very very fortunate I was I was funded by British Swimming so I was paid to swim so a lot of the camps were paid for and I didn't have to pay for a lot of it because I wasn't from a a privileged background at all I was a single parent background and and various Mm -hmm. other things so I wouldn't have been able to afford to go everywhere but I think I did eight countries or nine countries when I was 17 in like one year season swimming and that was like Australia for seven weeks and then yeah there for three weeks so it was like literally you're away more than you're at home and yeah. that was like it's so good because especially as an athlete when you're traveling like there's no distractions at all so when we're in Florida and uh and you know obviously now being on poolside there's more things I do in terms of work but as an athlete you know I go back and I'm like, oh we're do, doing today it's like oh go to sleep it's like okay yeah I forgot yeah you're gonna sleep yeah. all day and then wake up and train again and at the weekend you're gonna to go to the beach and, and whatever so um as, as an athlete traveling is amazing and obviously like I said I've not had that much time outside of a pandemic as as not an athlete so I've I've traveled a little bit the end of last year 
I went my first, I did my first ever actually just traveling to, to travel, I guess. I went to Rome in 2017 to race and we, we raced all over the weekend. And on Sunday night, when we, the competition finished at say seven o'clock, we got a taxi straight into the city with the swim bags, with the tracksuits, everything, <laughs> ran around all the attractions and then had dinner and then went back to the hotel and flew out on Monday night. And since then, because I, I love old architecture, I love things like that. Yeah. I've always been like, I'm going back 100%. And the last year I was, I was having a bit of a challenging time. And, and one of my biggest things I'd always been worried about is I, I'm, I'm quite confident in my own abilities to, to do kind of things I set my mind to, but traveling on my own provides so much anxiety from, yeah. am I going to miss the gate? Am I every single aspect of what if I get there and then my taxi isn't there to take me to a hotel or what if I can't find a taxi? Like every yeah. single thing was my anxiety. And I like, I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do that. So I went to Rome for for four days, I guess, in November. I think for the first time to like just go to somewhere to see it. And was uh, that been, on your own? Yeah, that was on my own. Yeah. yeah, and that was very very few. I've never been somewhere to just look at the place and spend yeah. time in the place, um, which I which I really enjoyed because also it was it was really good because it kind of stimulated my my thinking in a different way. There were some things mm-hmm. I thought about were I still worked while I was there, but it was just working in a different place, like really just like got my mind going, which was great. But um, I think this year is going to be very busy with travel. Like I said, I'm just back from Florida. I think someone's asked me to go to Belgium next week for some private coaching. I think now my life is out of sport and it's going more into the working world and and doing what I do now is going to be a lot more quickly there and and over there. So I'm excited for that because that'll be cool because hopefully I'll be able to see a little bit of that. But I've never yeah. never travelled for for purpose other than to train and to race, which is which is quite crazy. Yeah. So where has been your favourite place to go to? Oh, well, Rome was my is my favourite city. Like looking at it is the most incredible thing. And I think, you know, all all the, you know, you walk down the tiniest back street and you find the most amazing place for for dinner or something like that. And I don't think you get that in the UK. You know, it's a nice big out front and it's, I mean, it's very fancy, whereas I think. That was, that was probably my favourite place. I think everyone always asked me, could I live abroad? And no, I couldn't. But I think the only place... I could potentially live abroad would be Australia because it is England, but yeah, just warm. Better. Yeah, just just everything is better. People are happier, more so, and it's hotter. So, yeah, if I, if I could live anywhere, it'd be Australia. But in terms of like my favorite place, I think I think Rome would have to be. Yeah. So obviously, you've mentioned about the architecture. Is that would you say that's probably your favorite part about traveling? Um, probably. Yeah. I remember every time I've ever been somewhere, I've been like, what is what is there to go and do or, or to yeah. see whether it's there, you know, whether it's a, a lake that you go and see that's, you know, you do a boat tour around the different caves and stuff like that. I've always loved things like that because I just think if it's architecture, it's like how on earth did someone build this with no crane? And, you know, they've chiseled that out of the hands. That's ridiculous. Or if it's a cave, it's like, well, that's so cool that the seas eroded it down to, to look like that. So I love things that are like extraordinary to look at. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. As I, as I kind of go, go to more places when I'm not an athlete because like honestly when you go as an athlete like I said you go and you sleep you eat and you train and you sometimes yeah. walk down to the beach have a bit of a chill so it's it's been very rare that I've ever been able to do things so I'm, I'm quite excited to to see see things when I do go to places now yeah and obviously you've said that you've kind of uh, yeah quit the swimming world what age yeah. do people normally kind of quit retire because I'm sure it's completely I mean each sport's different yeah. so it's it's so polar opposite you know there's people who are it's funding in swimming is a really big issue you know it's, it's hard to get paid unless you are winning mm-hmm. Olympic or world medals um so generally it's 
you'll either drop drop off at the standard 15, 16, you know, in any sport, you, know, you start going to house parties and think, actually, I prefer to do that than wake up at 5am yeah. and dive into a freezing pool. Or, or there's the after university, I think a lot of people swim through university and then say, right, I'm going to go get a job. So I think there's kind of three phases. It's kind of like late teens, early 20s or you know on, onto your 30s which is which is an issue in the sport you know there's so many amazing talented people that drop out at age you know in their early 20s or before that if they got to 25 they'd probably be amazing athletes but yes yeah, so it's, it's kind of this kind of three stages of retirement I think that people go through yeah definitely I mean on the other side kind of the podcast that I always like to talk to people about is for me like I always found that traveling was a really big for me to be able to deal with when I was kind of feeling mentally drained or wanting to have that reset so did you find that going away quite a lot would take quite a big toll on your mental health and physically as well I'm sure that because it was non-stop maybe at the time it wasn't probably time to be able to take it all in because it's that excitement and you've got the competitions and you're wanting to be able to get to the next step so Mm. yeah I Um, just wondered I don't think so as an athlete. I think it's almost the opposite way around. As a, yeah. a someone in the, the normal world, I think you you work really hard at home or, or you do whatever you do and then you go, I'm going to go away to refresh and that's mm-hmm. going to be, um, I don't know, as, as an athlete, it's a complete change of stimulus. Like we went away in Florida, for example, with the athletes we went with because it's cold, it's dark, no one wants to be in in, in the Midlands when yeah. it's raining and four, minus four degrees. So as an athlete going away, it's so refreshing. It's like yeah. such a change of stimulus and it's the most unburdening thing. Like I said, there's nothing to worry about. You know, you've got, you sleep in your apartment, you do your food shopping, you go to train and that's it really. Yeah. So the, the only kind of negative, I think, is if you are in a camp and you're not training that well, there's nothing to think about other than not you're not training well or you're not yeah. racing well. But it's, it's very rare because if you're at that kind of level and you're that focused on something, the chances are you're probably performing quite well. So yeah. um, it, definitely the traveling I've done has not been taking any kind of toll, I guess. No, that's good. I guess as well, like you said, it is that kind of motivation, isn't it? When you're going away that, yeah, you've got those camps, you're working towards end yeah. goals. So exactly, yeah. is, and, it's, yeah. and it's, it's nice, for example, like when you, when, when we start for Christmas, we always go on a January camp. So usually we go to, like I said, Australia for six, seven weeks. Obviously this year we couldn't do that because of, you know, their regulations around COVID. But, you know, you, you finish at Christmas and then you'll have an amazing time of Christmas, amazing time of New Year. Everyone else will, will get back to training and go, oh, like I've just had two weeks of like great fun with my friends, family, you know, whatever. Whereas we go, oh, but we get to go. And yeah, you I get to that, carry it on. Yeah, exactly. And those kind of placements of, of kind of re-stimulating yourself is really important as an athlete, I think. So, yeah, it's, it's something to look forward to for sure. Definitely. Well, it's like you said, whenever it gets colder here, I mean, I'm sure you're really excited to be back in the cold after <laughs> Florida. What was the weather like there? Um, a little bit temperamental. It was never cold, but there was That's it okay. wasn't. It wasn't the sunshine. Is it the sunshine coast they call themselves or the sun, sunshine? I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, but they are renowned for the sunshine and it wasn't, it wasn't oh. 24 seconds. <laughs> half and half, we'll say it was, we'll say it was good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Are you a warm person like, or are you a cold person? What type of weather do you prefer? Uh, split. Really? Hot, I love being in the hot weather, but I prefer cold clothes. I love yeah. jackets and, and I love, I don't know, I, I, I quite like fashion and I, I love the, the winter fashion compared to yeah, summer fashion but more options I, yeah yeah but I do like being in I love the sun yeah. <laughs> doesn't everyone <laughs> exactly I know right well this is the thing I don't know about you but even now like it's cold but you've got the sun coming out so you feel like yeah. you're in a bit of a better mood 
yeah no yeah so it's so crazy isn't it like literally how much the web the weather and the environment changes the mood it's it's literally crazy isn't it i was when we go away we like scheduling for a swim is quite hard so it's like when's the best time to train you know is it if we train at 6am in the uk or if we wake up at 6am to train it's, it's hard especially in december because it's dark it's raining like we said mm-hmm. but if you wake up at 6am in australia like it's in the curtains you see it coming through and you're like oh okay i'll get up and i'll crack on then because yeah. we're really excited too and I, it's so crazy isn't it literally how the weather affects everything it's all it's exactly. crazy isn't it? it's a it's definitely a known fact that i think the nhs uh so they say that actually everyone should be subscri- like prescribed um like vitamin d yeah d yeah yeah um just because everyone needs it and everyone yeah needs a lot left especially over here um yeah. <laughs> but what has been your favorite travel memory oh memory um I don't know whether it's related. To, I've probably got two. I went to uh, Samoa when I was a lot younger for for the Youth Commonwealth Games, and I'd, so that's the furthest place you can go from England. Like you can go the European side or the American side, and it'll take the same time to get there. So yeah. that was really cool because that was such a different world. Like I've never known anywhere that's so far away from what I know as, as being a world. So that was really cool because that was probably the least developed country I've been to. So mm-hmm. it was it was cool seeing that, and then them try and scale up to hold a competition with people from you know all over the world so that was really cool but then I think when I went to Australia for the first time I was 17 and that's I was performing really well and I think that's that's kind of where I became myself I think I was there for seven weeks and I just I was swimming I was surrounded by, I was kind of transitioning into a new training group so I was started to train with Adam and Mel and that was just like it was the dream as a 17 year old it was I was literally living a dream so I think in terms of like a travel experience that was that was unbelievable and we were so young like that everyone in the group no one was older than 21 I don't think so we were almost you know doing so well because we were so young we're on such a great momentum but also because we were so young we we're so naive and it's like now if you'd said oh why don't you go for a boat trip all of Sunday we'd be like no way you need to recover you need to rest like yeah. Sundays are for recovering <laughs> yeah. from Monday to Tuesday training whereas a 17 year old it's like oh my god yeah we're in Australia let's yeah, do it you just do it yeah yeah I think as a travel experience, that that seven weeks it was definitely the best. That's brilliant. Have you ever done anything really adventurous like skydiving, abseiling? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, I don't know. I love to think I would. Yeah. If I got up there, I would definitely. Yeah, you have no there. choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's whether I would commit to doing it. Like exactly. it's, it's the initial commitment that is a hard thing. But I think I think definitely I think I would would be up for it. I love. I, th- I love like a rush. I love adrenaline rushes. I love, I'm quite a, a thrill seeker. So um, I think it will be up for that. Yeah. yeah. So once you're there, you, yeah, you'll be having the time of your life yeah. and you'll be like, right, okay, let's do this again. Yeah, um, so, eyes out the mask. <laughs> yeah. so where's on your bucket list? Oh, um, there's, I don't know. I don't think there's a country that is on my bucket list. Definitely Rome was to go and do as a, a, a holiday rather than a, yeah. a performance based thing. So definitely that I'd, do you know what it is like I don't have any specific places I just love the a kind of Caribbean feel with just somewhere to relax and just yeah. chill out like I'm not I'm not too much around like like I'd love like I said to go for Rome for a few days and then see it and then, then go but if I was going away for you know a week or 10 days I'd just love to just be somewhere where it's quiet and, and chill down on a beach so you need to I've get some nowhere. clients over that way and then yeah you can do like a few weeks with them and then just take it kind of for a longer yeah yeah. 
Definitely. But no, um, there's no, the one thing I'd love to do is like a, as experience, the, the only thing I think I've been really wanting to do for ages is, you know, those igloos under the Northern Lights. Yeah. They're, they're That's the only thing that I've been like, I've seen for years. I'm like, I need to do that as like a travel or an experience from, from a different country. That's, that's it. Definitely. And you'd be able to wear all your warm clothes. So perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to the Travel Minded Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Travel Minded the Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Justice Abroad. Justice Abroad was founded in 2019 and is led by myself, Michael Polak, a trained barrister and expert in international law and assistance. Justice Abroad operates to ensure that people who travel overseas for work or pleasure can be confident that if anything goes wrong, there'll be someone ready to help them. We are seeing an increasing number of cases across the world where people find themselves in trouble and we've been asked to assist. Justice Abroad has a team of top investigators, lawyers around the world and support staff available to provide unparalleled support. Many people when travelling have an attitude of, it'll never happen to me, and then when something does go wrong, they feel helpless with nowhere to turn. Anyone travelling for any purpose should be aware of the issues that could arise and be prepared to get in touch with us should something go wrong. We currently have cases in Greece, China, Thailand, Somalia, Myanmar, Cyprus, Spain, Vietnam, and many other countries around the globe. The increased number of cases which are coming to us proves how frequently travellers can find themselves in trouble, often as a victim of crime or accused of offences they did not commit. Usually travel insurance will not cover you for assistance and advice with legal problems overseas, and even where they do, the assistance can prove ineffectual and not practical. At Justice Abroad we have an extremely hands-on approach that allows our clients to feel assured that we will deal with every aspect of their situation and ensure they have the best possible outcome. We're just as abroad and we're here when you need us. Thank you.